After Hours. Well, hello and welcome to HR After Hours. Hannah Hampton, how the hell are you today? I mean, you know, considering the world is still in a weird place, I'm doing fine. <laughs> how, about, how are you doing? Well, I'm okay. I was a little nervous that you weren't talking to me since I admitted to you I went out for lunch on Friday. <laughs> Even though I did practice social distancing, I was very disappointed that a lot of people around me did not. So. I'm going to wait a little longer, but Hannah has been the quarantine queen. You know, everyone I share with, I've only gone out a, a couple times. Hannah's like, well, I have gone out zero times. So you I just have shut gone out zero. I'm sure in your group of friends, probably the couple times you've been out is pretty impressive, but I legitimately have gone out zero times. Last time I, I partook in, in eating at a restaurant was March 11th. Um, literally been in my house except for some walks and one drive just to get out of the house, but uh, I've been killing it. <laughs> no, you've been slaying it, and actually, like I said, it. I'll go out once every week and a half or two weeks, and I'll quickly get annoyed with people not respecting my space. Right. And I would sit here and tell you, oh, it's okay, but I don't. I don't think that's true, and uh, I probably won't go off my home grounds for a couple of weeks now just because I feel like no one cares about anyone but themselves but, but I digress <laughs> well no it's funny because it just it does it feels like people just got sick of it and decided it was over versus actually realizing that it's not over it's and this is hard and it is challenging and of course I would love to get back to my normal kind of daily, my normal routine and getting out in public and being around people and traveling and all that, of course. But I also understand that we're in a health crisis. We're in the middle of a pandemic. So we have to make sacrifices. And I think it's hilarious that some people have just decided it's done. And I feel like it's ruining it for the, those of us who are actually taking it seriously. That's I my see, two cents. I, the people that don't respect your space and that aren't practicing social distancing. And not wearing their masks. And not wearing their mask. They're the same ass clowns that would hide a zombie bite from you in a zombie <laughs> apocalypse. Totally. So those, those are the people you don't want around. Perfect. Let's let's we've talked last week about how we want to try to get back into a sense of somewhat some sense of normalcy. Uh, I did notice a lot of traffic last week in some uh, areas and people I've talked to. So it does seem like some people have gone back to the office. I also have Hannah heard a lot of people tell me some of the same things that you and I predicted or even you championed in the fact that a lot of people uh, are being told, hey, we're being just as efficient, if not more so, working from home, so let's keep doing it or you know, kind of making these new schedules where maybe they're going in for just orientation, some HR professionals, whatever it is. So we're going to definitely see a lot of permanent change come up in business. And those are some things we look forward to covering. But speaking of change, this is my little happy story for me with current events and the fact that there's a lot of change that needs to take place First company that I really, you and I are big music buffs. A lot of people yeah. don't know that. We're I not musically talented. Than me, but definitely we are music buffs. We are music people. We've gone to music festivals together before. Yes. But here's what I love this. <laughs> but the label Republic Records, home to top artists including Ariana Grande, Taylor Swift, they vowed to ban the word urban as a generalization for hip-hop and R&B. The label, a division awesome. at Universal, said it would remove Urban from department names 
employee titles and music genres. I think that's pretty cool. Some people might be going, what's the big deal? Hannah, tell me a little bit about how um, you think this could impact the industry or just what it means to you in general. Well, I think urban is definitely not considered, I wouldn't consider it like a a bad word by any means. However, the fact that I feel like it it was very insinuated that it was a black artist versus anything else. And I, I feel like it was somewhat pigeonholing people and I don't know, just categorizing in a way that doesn't need to happen. So that's my two cents. Um, but I think it's I think it's really cool that uh, they're kind of taking away some labels that could, I don't want to say could be hurtful, but I guess that's the easiest way to say it. It's just taking away labels that could be hurtful to someone, uh, to someone's career, to someone's trajectory. So I think that's pretty cool. Yes, and, and here's some great uh, little background on it. And hmm. I, I like the fact that you're kind of like, well, I don't know if the term hurt is the right term because it is kind of a little like, well, what's it really mean? So right. first off, the use of urban in music jargon actually dates back to the mid-70s. Uh, this is according to Billboard. Radio DJ Frankie Crocker used the phrase urban contemporary. Hmm. And then even though its origins were not negative, Today, its use is considered marginalizing to mm, black artists okay. in their work. So I think marginalizing is that's I think a great that's a good word, word right? Mm-hmm. Upon winning Best Rap Album at the Grammys in January, the artist Tyler, the creator, mm. voiced irritation about mm. his music being pigeonholed because it was just kind yeah. of thrown into an urban category. There, there are other terms that are very broad in general like that but this one was one that was specifically hitting a lot of different quote-unquote black music or black artists and so they did feel like well how am i tyler the creator in the same category as the great marvin gay when our music has nothing in common Mm -hmm. and so that it was kind of this overgeneralization that kind of spread and then the same thing executive titles were given and for a lot of rap artists urban artists Mm -hmm. you know see what i just did there was urban artists versus rap soul r&b you know even rap is too big of a term there's hip-hop there you know there's so many different types that i just think it, it keeps us from just finding this category and not even trying to define types of music and just throwing it over into urban. I think it's one of many moves that needs to take place, but you got to start somewhere. So right. kudos to Republic Records, and I think we'll see a lot of other companies follow suit. That's right. Cool. Now, this is where the fun begins. Hannah Hampton, I love it when <laughs> Hannah is in recruiting mode, oh, and yeah. she has to deal with some sort of shenanigans that grinds her gear, so to speak. And then I found that when I got a Hannah rant earlier this week, that it is actually something I have seen a huge increase Uh, or spike in this type of behavior. So Hannah, tell me uh, what happened to you that kind of set your gears. That actually, since we spoke last, it's happened to you more than once. Yeah, so, you know, I'll just give a quick background. So current role, I work for a very small company that I love. I feel like if you listen to this podcast, you know I love where I work. I love the people I work with. I'm just beyond grateful for uh, where I get to be and but I am a department of one which has its own challenges and of course so recruiting is under my umbrella since I am in a, depart- a department of one so I am in recruiting mode right now which again feels pretty cool given the state 
that the world is in and the economy and all of that. So I have been recruiting for positions, but prior to this role in the past like 10 years, recruiting had been handled by a recruiting department because I worked for bigger companies. So I didn't have to, um, you know, I wasn't as heavily involved in recruiting. I'd maybe partake in an interview here and there, but certainly wasn't doing the recruiting piece. Okay. I have had a recent string of candidates in a first round. So apply to a job. I respond back, hey, I would love to set up a call with you. Respond saying, could you please send me a calendar invite? Which I know, <laughs> like saying it out loud seems like such a minor thing. But to me, I feel like it's a bit presumptuous of like, hey, you know, I'm interested, but I want you to manage my calendar. And it just grinds my gears because I, I feel, especially if you're in the early phases, aren't you trying to, you know, impress the company that you applied for and you want to work for versus saying, you know what, I can't handle my calendar myself. So could you put a calendar in? I don't know. May, and now that I'm saying it out loud, it does feel a little like stupid, but I also feel like I don't feel like I should have to do extra work because you can't put something in your own goddamn calendar. First off, if there are listeners that don't do very much recruiting and primarily are doing HR responsibilities, yeah. at first that does sound a little like, man, talk about high maintenance. Is it the yes. candidate or you? But what people don't realize is currently scheduling interviews has changed a lot, especially with the increase of Zoom yep. and all the other tools that everyone's using, that some of these are auto-generating invite or some of us are now including the resumes and maybe some follow-up to like mm -hmm. we're copying the individuals to show them, hey, I have three interviews for your position for your department. So keep an eye, you know, keep, you know, look at your schedule, your upcoming schedule, because I'm anticipating one or two of them will be ready for the next round. There's a lot more to the calendar now. It's not about us making a calendar just for ourselves. Right. We are copying people. We have out uh, add-ons, whether you're using Google or Microsoft or a different uh, system, and most of us do have Zoom or something else attached to it. And so there's a lot going on with the calendar now, which is great in the fact for communication and updating the different departments, what we have going on, but us just sending little Bobby Hill, a mm. let's, let's be honest. It's not a calendar invite for Bobby Hill. It's a reminder. And you're right. The way you even said it to yourself, you're kind of like, well, now it kind of seems like maybe I'm being a whiner, but I have actually had Hannah in the last two weeks, candidates say, well, I think I can do two o'clock on Thursday. Will you text me Thursday morning to confirm? Oh my gosh. And I'm like, whoa, this is something that I've had happen zero times or maybe once every six months. Between the two of us, we've had like six of these in two weeks. It's so kind of crazy. And I, you know, to me, I feel like this is your own calendar. And like another reason why I don't, I would have to create a separate calendar invite is, if it's around two, I'm sharing interview notes, and I certainly don't want to send interview notes to the candidates. You know, it's those are notes on here's areas that I think you should ask questions around. You know, it's it's information to help us really give a great assessment of this candidate to see if it's the right person for the role. And you know, I have to change the way that I'm doing things if I'm including the candidate on the calendar invite. And my thought process is like, you have access to your calendar. 
you know, right, put, you, can, you can add your own calendar invite. This is a couple clicks for you as well. So it's just, to me, so presumptuous that I, I feel like that tells me this person's probably going to be a little high maintenance if they're already asking for a favor <laughs> in uh, round one of an interview. You know, I agree. Hannah Hampton is high maintenance. So if she calls you <laughs> high maintenance, you, my friend, are really fucking high maintenance. And I mean, if Hannah ever calls me high maintenance, like I know I need to check myself. I'm like, <laughs> whoa, hold on. If she's telling me I'm high okay, maintenance, I'm my totally friend. not high maintenance. <laughs> <laughs> I don't but no, I, I think that so there's two <laughs> things here. One, if there's some format or podcast or mm-hmm. thoughts process in current schooling. But you and I both discussed this earlier. The people that were um, having do this are people that you, you know, they're not 25 year olds. They're really? people that have been in the workforce a while. So somewhere out there, there's either just been this bad communication or advice given because I know that we were in a market and there are still industries and the tech side's one of them where the candidate is still, you know, the commodity, so to speak. And I don't like using that type of terminology. They still are the even unicorn sometimes. But in the general workforce, if you're looked at as high maintenance scheduling the first interview. Right. That's you are going to be someone more than likely that's uh, acting like you're doing us a favor by uh, coming to our company. And I do think there's got to be a lot of mutual payoff and respect and right. it's got to be a win-win. Don't come to my door like you're doing me a favor and pretty much say you expect me to jump through certain hoops for you. It's just not going to happen. I So this is a good kind of segue into uh, th- now this happened. 10 years ago. I mean, this is an old story, probably even more than 10 years ago. But I worked in a staff, kind of staff odd place. That was a a wing of of what we did, or I guess an arm of what we did. And I was interviewing a candidate who was furious that I did an interview and felt that they should go straight to the client. And I feel like if you work in, in any type of staffing role, you understand, like, you want to do that initial check, really understand, okay, is the resume what they're saying? Just get a very good check of the individual before sending to your client. Because again, like your client, you that's your bread and butter. You don't want to have a client say, hey, you're sending me, you know, people who aren't a good fit or a match or, you know, who aren't qualified. And I had, I basically wanted to meet with this person prior to their interview, which was in person. And they were so mad. When, and I had them fill out their kind of in, paperwork in person. Uh, again, this is 10 plus years ago, but they were so mad that I, I talked to them. They ripped the paper when signing their name because they were, they were so angry and forceful in their hands. And literally, what I never felt so uncomfortable in an interview because this individual was so, um, so I guess, negative and angry, had their arms crossed, rolled their eyes, huffed at me, couldn't believe that I would want to meet with them prior to them going to the client that um, we ended up walking walking that person to the door and we canceled their interview because of their behavior. I love it. And I was going to ask you that. That was my next question. Did you decide to withdraw the candidate? Because I'm automatically thinking yes. But here's what a lot of candidates don't understand mm-hmm. is sometimes 
with recruiting firms or staffing agencies, they do feel like there should be no middleman and they should be able to jump right in. Right. But you were protecting your company's brand. Right. By qualifying this individual as someone that you feel comfortable representing your company to, to go and speak to this client. What a lot of candidates don't realize is HR professionals and recruiters feel the same way when it's their company. Mm -hmm. Our job is to feel comfortable putting you in front of that hiring manager or that department head, whatever it is. So even if we're in-house, we still are going to qualify you, vet you, make sure that, I mean, who has, who's had that call throughout their career? And you and I have both been around the block enough that we know mm-hmm. we both have. The worst thing in the world, from a work standpoint, there's obviously right. worse things than this, but one of the worst things that ever can happen to an HR professional in, that's recruiting is to get that call from either your department head or the hiring manager or the hiring manager's boss, and then to ask you, what the hell were you thinking with this candidate? (laughs) That is the worst. And we've all had that. We've all made mistakes where people have come through and it just wasn't, um, you know, wasn't the right fit. And I, I hate to say fit, but it just, you know, it just didn't work. We've all been there. And, you know, it's really funny because I have to say that, candidate that the anchor candidate that ripped the paper was one piece of a puzzle that kind of it pushed me in the direction of realizing like recruiting is not my thing and that incident and then one other incident kind of pushed me into realizing like hey you know I got into this because I truly wanted to do HR as an HR generalist as an HR manager so I have to say I'm not mad at it like every experience I feel like helps build who you are so it really did help guide me into the true HR uh, generalist manager position. But man, I remember at the time I was actually scared because I had like <laughs> there was so much anger in this individual. I didn't know if if like us walking him, if he was going to wait for me outside of the building, you know, and, and, and who knows? So it was one of those situations where I, I'm grateful uh, for my boss at the time. He actually walked the candidate out so I didn't have to. And then actually put our office on a mini lockdown to make sure he didn't come back in, even though I, we felt like we were being a little overcautious, you know, in, in, in this world, it doesn't hurt. But I was grateful for how my boss took control of the situation and really um, helped me because it was it was not a comfortable feeling where I, I dealt with somebody who was so angry over something so minor as, hey, I want you to come in. I want you to fill out some paperwork want to meet with you before we go over to the client. Like that to me is, I think it's kind of a nice thing. It's making sure that you're comfortable, making sure that we're all comfortable. And this person was not having it. (laughs) The way I feel about it is twofold. A, if someone doesn't care about the position enough that they wouldn't accept the help you're offering them by meeting them and kind of prepping Mm -hmm. them that just proves our point that is why you qualify and meet and talk to the candidate i don't like when people say trust your gut especially in hiring i think it's a science and all these tools but when it comes to something like that where a person's personality is very abrasive and aggressive i think that's the only time in recruiting that trust your gut is really applicable 
Yeah, I, I totally agree because we want to make sure that we, yeah, I, I agree that it's a science and that we want to make sure, you know, especially in the light of what's going on in the world, that everyone gets a fair shot uh, at positions and, and whatnot. But man, if somebody's behavior uh, is that egregious, I guess is a good word, but that obvious that they are going to bring anger, going to bring hostility into the workplace, then, you know, I think that's, it's fair enough to pass, you know, it, 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 let's get real and work. It can get stressful. There are times when you're, you're not going to get your way. You're not going to get what you want and how you respond to that, how you react or respond to that uh, says a lot about your character. And if you are that angry over something simple, then that tells me that you're, you don't have that uh, maturity you don't have the EQ to take on the role. So in conclusion, people, put it on your own damn calendar. <laughs> Thank us for reaching out to you and make it a point to be by the phone three minutes early minimum, just in case. Uh, I, so whoever's giving that, that advice, stop giving yeah. that advice. Go ahead, Hannah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I. it's really funny, though. I will say that for the most part, you know, the recruiting efforts have been, you know, have been great. And I am somebody who's very punctual. That's something that's important to me. I like to respect people's times. And I literally, if I schedule my interview with you at one o'clock, you're getting a call at one o'clock. And I interviewed somebody this week and they commented, they said one o'clock on the dot. I really appreciate that. And I said, well, you know, uh, punctuality is important to me. And I said, it's, it's all about respect for the other person and their time. And the guy was like, totally, I agree. So it was kind of one of those things where it kicked it off on a good, kind of on a good foot, good footing, um, you know, where the person was, uh, you know, appreciative of my punctuality. So there's that. <laughs> no, I've had the same thing said to me. And it, it, yeah, it actually even puts us in a, a it does start it off on the right foot and puts this in a good mood. So those are kind of the things you might want to consider. You have as much of a say as setting the tone mm -hmm. of the interview and the direction it's going to go in those first one or two minutes as we do. So let's get rid of that bad advice where you ask for a calendar invite and take <laughs> our good advice to people that know what the hell they're doing and just set that positive tone early on with scheduling the interview and the opening of the interview and bring that high energy and fun and you'll be probably a relief uh, to someone like Ms. Hampton who wants to throw punch the two people she interviewed before. Quick follow-up, <laughs> Hannah, of the three people that did it to you, how many did actually go to first interview and beyond that? Well, of course, at this point, I've already scheduled the first interview, so I'm not going to um, backtrack from that. So well, right now, one is I haven't done the first interview yet. And so I'd say, well, we're at 50-50 for making it to that next round. So I am 0 for 3. Call me old and angry and bitter. We can pick that up next week. So, Hannah, any closing words? Be a good candidate. <laughs> All right, Hannah. Well, I look forward to your conversation with me next week. Hey, could you do me a favor and send a calendar invite? <laughs>